Thursday edition of Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. And we're getting set to close out the year, Jonesy. I think it's much like we did on, was it Christmas Eve? Maybe time to put a little Bailey's in the coffee this morning, kick back, relax, and uh, enjoy the last day or two of 2021 and maybe uh, <laughs> maybe say good riddance as well uh, to 2021 and get set for the new year. Uh, another off night for the Toronto Raptors as they get set for their final game of the calendar year tomorrow at home against the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, but a full slate of action, or at least a good chunk of action last night in the NBA uh, with nine games. And the one that I wanted to start with more than anything before we dive into some other stuff in a few minutes' time with Michael Grange and later on Bobby Marks. Uh, lots coming this hour. The Chicago Bulls and our friend, our, our former colleague, Chuck Swirsky, dancing all over social media. Chuck, blink twice if you need help. Blink twice if you need help. If you haven't seen it, folks, it's uh, hilariously awkward and good on Chuck for, I guess, having a good time in spite of everything the Bulls have been through this season and, you know, COVID rampaging and ravaging their roster. A season-high five-game winning streak as they beat the Hawks by 14 last night, putting up 131 points. They're 22-10 and 10 now, and again, a five-game winning streak has them as the hottest team in the league, along with the Utah Jazz having won five in a row, and they look beyond formidable right now. They look great, um, and, you know, it's all, about, it's all about chemistry, you know, something that the Raptors know all too well trying to find right now, being healthy and, and uh, you know, having chemistry. And, and a lot of people uh, took a second look, took a second glance when they, uh, when they signed DeMar DeRozan. You know, they made the deal for Lonzo Ball. They just, you know, last year they make the deal uh, for Vucevic. They, ju they just kind of put a few things together and people said, well, you know, you're not really blowing me away. Well, you know, those parts get put together and, you know, you've got a successful team. You, you've got a team that, I mean, we're a third of the way through the season. Uh, they've got a, a solid coach in Billy Donovan. This is not a fluke. Uh, and so for people, it just goes to show that it's, it's about the right moves. It's about chemistry. It's about having the right pieces in place. I mean, we're, we're talking about the Bulls and we keep... We don't probably give them the due that they should, but we keep talking about the Lakers. Lakers lose again last night. Uh, Anthony Davis is hurt. I know that. But you have Westbrook and LeBron, and you figure, you know what? You should be winning more. That's the Lakers calling Jonesy saying, why do you keep bringing us up? Why do you keep talking about this negativity on a day when we're celebrating LeBron James' birthday? Why do you keep talking about us? Well, Lakers on line one. But you're right, Jones. It's, it, I watched the, I watched that uh, game last night, most of the second half. I didn't see uh, the first half, but I tuned in about two minutes into the third quarter and watched the entire second half. And it was similar to the script that we saw a couple of nights ago with the Raptors, where Toronto was, was down and then kept plugging away, plugging away, plugging away, eventually took the lead over Philly, and that's exactly what Memphis did last night. Difference was, though, when Memphis took the lead, they slammed the door in the Lakers and didn't allow L.A. back in, much like the Raptors allowed Philly to come back in the final minute and take that game and ultimately get the victory. And John Morant was impressive, but 
listen, I know they don't have Anthony Davis, and I know just like every other team, I, I almost feel like we have to stop talking about COVID issues and, and roster because every team is going through it. Every team has some sort of issue or some sort of injury or multiple bodies missing. So it has to be something that eventually we say, hey, it's not a factor anymore because I dealt with it or I'm dealing with it as well. So the Lakers just have issues, period. And yeah. I don't know how they figure it out. Yeah, here, here's the other thing, Eric, and uh, I'm sure some of our listeners will take note of this too. Uh, there was a game, another one postponed. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Miami. Mm. And they, because they couldn't field the required number of players. And I got texts, um, messages from many Raptor fans are saying, wait a minute. You guys keep telling us, no, the league is trying to make this fair and even. And they made Toronto play in Cleveland the day after Christmas, knowing the travel schedule, uh, the difficulty the Raptors were having, the fact that they had, you know, 10, 11, 12 guys out in the protocol combined. But yet they made Toronto play and suffered a loss of almost historic franchise proportions. Yet here's Miami. Oh, they can't play this one, and they might be able to play Friday, depending on uh, if Kyle Lowry clears the proto is out of the protocol and Jimmy Butler's ankle is okay. Well, how come they didn't didn't have to sign you know a whole bunch of hardship guys and play? And I I I had no answer. I had no answer. Well, I, was, I, I might you know, have an answer. I might okay. have an answer. And and, I, and 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 let me let me be perfectly clear. I don't necessarily agree with the answer. But I might have an answer. And, and my answer would have been better served if it was simply explaining last night. The fact that this, well, they might be able to play by Friday, that's what throws my answer maybe yeah. out the window. Okay? Okay. The answer that I, I think I was able to piece together, our, our friend uh, Tim Reynolds from Associated Press down in Miami who covers the Heat, covers the NBA, one of the things he mentioned in, in a number of tweets where he was talking about the heat injuries and COVID and postponed games and even throwing in some World Juniors chatter as well, one of the things he mentioned, and I'm paraphrasing here, is that the heat have not just COVID-related roster issues, but multiple injuries as well. So my understanding is, and I'm again, I'm paraphrasing this, and I'm, I'm telling you just basic understanding is, with the Raptors... I believe other than David Johnson, everybody was COVID. There weren't injuries. So the Raptors were forced to go replace those dudes, those 10 guys, with two, three, four, however many it took, emergency 10 days. My understanding is it's different if you have an injured player that may or may not be healthy by X date who can get on the floor and you're not replacing injured players with emergency players. Now, to me, it's six and one-half dozen, I yeah. think. Because if you have, and I'm just pulling a stupid number out, if you had five injured guys and three guys on the COVID list, well, then you need to replace those three guys on the COVID list. It doesn't matter that you have seven guys on the COVID list and one guy hurt. Fact is, you can't field a team, so you have to put enough players on your roster to field a team, no matter how many guys are into COVID. But I guess the counter to that, Jonesy, would be, well, what if you had eight injured guys? Would you be allowed to use emergency contracts to replace injured guys? Not, not with like nobody on your roster in COVID. So I don't know. It's I think it's much like we talked about yesterday with Doctor Bogach. It's like 
everything's changing every day, right, Jonesy? Whether it's yeah. the league's response to COVID, to the virus, to the emergencies, to the contracts, to how we fill out a roster. I don't believe there's a grand conspiracy against the Raptors, but again, I started all this 90 seconds ago saying that was explaining last night. If you're still telling me that the the Heat essentially have damn near 72 hours to figure out before their next game, I'm, I'm, I'm including yesterday, today, and then tomorrow, and if they don't end up playing tomorrow, then, yeah, something really stinks. I'm, I'm willing to give you a gimme on last night and say, yeah, it doesn't smell good, it doesn't look good, but okay, fine, I guess I kind of understand it. But if they don't play tomorrow, then definitely something stinks. Yeah, well, and, and the inconsistencies, right, Eric? And that's that's the hard thing to deal with, and we don't know all of the circumstances, so it makes it tough, but it, you got to tell people because in the absence of information, people fill in their own gaps, and that's where that's where you you know you run into problems. It, it, it's it's very very difficult at this time right now, and never mind the NBA, let alone in the world. Uh, Raptors returning to practice today at 11 a.m., so in uh, about an hour, just under an hour, they're going to be on the practice floor getting set for the Clippers tomorrow, and we will hopefully find out uh, more details, more information about who might be available tomorrow. We were led to believe, uh, even just what we saw with our own eyes the other night, sitting on the bench, even though they were, so we thought, in COVID protocol uh, still, there was Delano Banton and and Kem Birch. They were sitting there, uh, Precious Achua as well. We were told then midway through the broadcast, through the game, that they had cleared protocols, but they were now awaiting conditioning return. So now with a couple of days in between games, with hopefully a practice today, I would assume, and maybe I'm wrong for assuming, but I would assume at least a couple, if not all of those guys could be back, Banton, Birch, and Achua. Fred Van Vliet was tweeting out the other day that he's feeling good, and there were some rumblings uh, that we are led to believe, even Nick Nurse mentioning it after uh, that loss to the Sixers the other night, that Freddie could be back. So fingers are crossed that you could have two, three, four, maybe more bodies back in time for that game against the Clippers tomorrow. I don't think this man has any new information on that because the new information will likely come at 11 a.m. when the Raptors get set for practice, but we've still got lots to talk about either way with our friend, our colleague from Sportsnet, sportsnet.ca, Michael Grange. Michael, appreciate the time as always. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Happy uh, hey. happy holidays. Yeah, happy, happy holidays to you and, and an early happy new year is, uh, to you as well, and we'll probably say it you know, face-to-face tomorrow through a mask down at the arena. Um, okay. Not Michael, too close. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know how, how you do the are. Raptors... I don't trust you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can trust me more than anybody right now, right? Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm about as, 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 as... I was a paranoid freak before all of this. I was completely neurotic, so this has just made me even worse. Um, Michael, how, does the, how do the Raptors navigate through the next uh, 24, 36 hours in terms of just trying to figure out who's available, what they've got, how they prep for not only the next game but the next week, or can they even do so? Because every team's just kind of dealing with the curveballs that seem to be constantly thrown every, uh, every hour. Well, I, I think the Raptors have, in a strange way, caught kind of a break. <laughs> um, you know, it really depends how you look at it, but I think you know, listening to what you were saying off the top, I agree. I think I think the Raptors are going to be close to full strength tomorrow, certainly by Sunday, you know, barring anyone else going into protocols. But um, if you use even the 10-day, um, you know, which is kind of the, like the longest isolation period, I think that pretty much covers everyone because I think uh, all the, you know, you had Freddie and Scotty Barnes uh, going in, I believe, on the 22nd. So I don't have my fingers handy here, but... I think 10 days is tomorrow. So um, 
and if it's not, it's certainly by Sunday. So I think there's a lot to look forward to in that case. And, and if that all comes to pass, you know, because of the postponements, you know, as hard hit as they were, you know, they really only had two games that were completely, you know, uh, they had to play completely shorthanded. And, you know, I think there's other teams that had worse than that. They didn't have to, the, you know, and, and in a way, if you're going to be that shorthanded, you're almost better off having your key players out because then they're not, you know, having to be run out there for 42, 44 minutes. I mean, Pascal and Gary Trent had that for one game. And so I, I think, in a, you know, it could have been worse, I guess, is certainly one way to look at it. And it's conceivable based on how guys have come out of this, uh, you know, relatively symptom-free, able to get up to speed pretty quickly. You know, this could end up being, in the long run, a kind of a benefit. Um, but certainly when you consider what could have happened and how long some of this stuff could have gone on and you could have been in one of those stretches, five games, eight, game, eight days, and, uh, you know, and all the rest, like you could have really been in a situation where your season went off the rails. And, and so I think, I think there's, from that point of view, uh, they've, like I said, they've caught, they've, if you can catch a break with, with COVID, I think they caught a break. Well, Michael, it's interesting because um, the Raptors have a game uh, postponed with Orlando, and I know Orlando had been playing better. Uh, you know, they they had a couple. They had a, they had a key win coming that would, would have been coming into Toronto, and that game gets postponed. Uh, the Raptors, you know, lose both their games to postponements against Chicago. I mean, there's a good chance that. I, I know we're a third of the way through the season, and there's going to be lots of changes still. But the East is so tight. There's a good chance the Raptors could have been at 500 um, going into that Chicago game, where they had all those guys out. And and you know, did they play? They fly to Chicago. It gets postponed. They could have been 500 at that point. And I, I just I just wonder what it what it does to uh, a team's momentum. I'm looking at the Raptors. Does to their momentum where. They're starting to play better, and then they get hit by this. Uh, they, they, they have a game postponed that they potentially could have won against a team that, you know, was way down in the standings, a poor record. I'm, I'm just thinking about the team's psyche, Michael, when it comes to, you know, the, the whole fight and where you are in the standings and, and looking up at people that you could be even with right now. Yeah, well, I would say it's an excuse if you want it to be, <laughs> right? But, again, I would go back to they got gifted a win against Golden State. Um, you know, Orlando's not going anywhere. They're not going to suddenly emerge into some kind of, you know, second-half juggernaut. That's not in their plan, as we all know. Um, and, and and the, you know, when you look at the postponements, and even the games they played, right, like, Raptors at full strength against Cavs at full strength on the road. You know, like that's not a lock of a win for the Raptors. I think Cavs would certainly have been favored there. And, you know, Philly coming into your building, that's a toss-up too. So it's not like you've, you know, you could have been really shorthanded playing against teams you otherwise would have beat or should have beat and lost those because of circumstances. So, uh, you know, I think the next layer to all that is, is how are they going to reschedule those postponements? Are they going to be put in a situation where, you know, they're, they end up almost being schedule losses because they tack them on, you know, second night back-to-back, those kind of deals. So that could be a bit of an issue. But I think, 
you know, optimistically, they come out of this, guys are healthy. Uh, they certainly should be rested. And, um, you know, I think the momentum, you know, my sense, when you just listen to what Pascal was saying after the game, we've heard this over and over again. I think the belief in this group remains, right? Like, I think they do think that they have a better team than their record has shown. Um, I think they look at the East, to your point, and it's there, right? Like, I mean, you know, not necessarily to, to win the conference, but, you know, I don't think there's anyone in, in that room on that group who thinks they can't find a way to get up to six, realistically or not. But, I mean, you're only a couple of games out at this point. So I don't think it should be a setback. I, I, if it is, then that's on them. But, uh, you know, I don't think there's any reason they shouldn't look at this as, uh, you know, every team's had to deal with something. And, and, you know, if they get their guys back, they're healthy. They should be at a full squad, I think, almost for the first, first time this season. I mean, there might have been one game. And uh, this could be an opportunity to kind of get on a run in, this, in the last two-thirds of the season. Speaking with Michael Grange from Sportsnet, sportsnet.ca. Michael, um, I'm going to piggyback on that a little bit. And I, I, I mean, I agree with you. you. I was saying it to Jonesy before we brought you on. It seems like every team in the league has dealt with either injuries and or COVID to some degree, whether it be a couple of bodies or, or three-quarters of the roster. So um, you got to deal with it, unfortunately, in 2021, 2022. That's the way it is. That's the way it's going to be. That said, and maybe I'm guilty of being the pessimist here, you look ahead at the schedule, and I remember you know, uh, Dwayne Casey used to talk about breaking down a schedule into five-game chunks and trying to go three out of five minimum in every five-game chunk. Nick Nurse has said he doesn't do that. He doesn't look ahead at the schedule like that. But I know I look ahead at the schedule, and I think, okay, the calendar flips. The Knicks, they've been sort of up and down. The Spurs struggling. But then you got the Bucks, You got the Jazz. Pelicans not great. You got the Suns coming to town. There are some good quality opponents. Milwaukee again after a Detroit game. So you got the Bucks in two of your first seven, eight games in the new year. January certainly will come with a lot of difficult opponents coming. And this right now, to me, is mirroring what we saw last year. Completely different situation. The roster was ravaged by COVID, but also injury, and you're in Tampa. But the Raptors had fought back to 500 and then went on and extended. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was 12 out of 13 in the loss column because they just got hammered. I don't see that happening this year because of how you just laid it out. They've navigated through and lost almost everybody at once and now getting everybody back. But this, to me, could be the point where you look at this, you know, this little chunk of the season and say, hey, that's where our season could have fallen off and we kept it on the rails and we kept it going strong into the new year. This, this We're at that point right now, I think. Am I wrong in that assessment? Oh, I, I 100%. Like, I mean, it could have, this could have been, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, that's the simplest way to put it. Like, it, you know, just because it was over the Christmas break, you didn't have as many games. Um, you know, this is, so you really only, those two games are, you know, you'd like to have a chance to play those with a full roster. But um, apart from that, you know, and I, th- I think because all your key guys are out at once, you know, even if even if this thing hasn't quite cleared through this team yet, you know, it's it's more your secondary guys who you're likely to miss. But in theory, uh, your top six, seven, eight, nine guys should all be good and ready to go. And um, who knows what <laughs> you know what what lays ahead with with variants and all of that. But um, you could safely assume that this is going to be your roster going ahead. Um, and again. Like you got the Clippers coming in here tomorrow night. Well, Paul George is out, right? And they've got their COVID problem. Right, so right. take advantage of that. Uh, the Knicks—they're not up and down. They're a mess, <laughs> right? Like they are. 
uh, team that's in a lot got a lot of problems right now. Um, so take advantage of that. Um, you know, you don't have a big road trip coming up till the middle of January. So take advantage of that. Uh, you know, so I think I, I think if you know at some point you got to win games, right? Right, <laughs> right. Right. You can't just yeah. keep pointing at everybody and schedule and this and that. Like, are you going to win games or not? So win them. Yeah, play them. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, you know, like these guys, like as last I checked, uh, you know, their payroll is pretty healthy. Uh, they have a lot of guys on some really nice deals. And uh, so, you know, in theory, they've got a, a standing coach. So, you know, get to work. Yeah, no, I, Michael, I agree. I agree. It, it's it's a kind of a, a a macrocosm of a game where, you know, you, just, you you the other team doesn't score, but you can't put the ball in the bucket. And you, you say, well, we played great defense. Yeah, but. You don't get any points for that. You get the points for putting the ball in the basket. So I, 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 I totally agree with what you're saying. Like at, at some point, uh, you, you know, you you've got to start putting W's on the board. And I, I look at the team now, and there's a lot of chatter about uh, DJ Wilson and and how well, uh, you know, he's played uh, when he's been in, and how you know the impact he's had on the game. And uh, you know, people that don't follow the NBA kind of casual Raptor fans are saying wow this guy's pretty good and why wasn't he in the league before and Eric Eric and I have talked about it and hypothesized about you know the way back end of the roster guys are treated in other places Um, what do you think what do you think the chances are that that if he doesn't stick in Toronto from the way he's played and yes he was in the G League he gets a shot somewhere and he's on an NBA roster for the end of the year I think there's a pretty good chance, and I think when you look at the Raptors situation, um, there'd be no good reason for him not to be here. Uh, you know, there is a bit of a luxury tax issue, so they'd need to be assured that they can scrape off some money with, in a buyout with, um, with Goran Dragic, or, or, you know, there's got to be some other move uh, because he would. I think they're just a little bit over the tax now, and he would put them that much more over. So that that that's the kind of bookkeeping end of it. Um, you know, he's he's to me he's an interesting player. Uh, on the positive side, just as you said, I mean, this is almost like a redraft candidate, right? He was a mid first round pick. Um, you know, you can definitely see how he's NBA ready, right? He's hit the floor and he's been really productive in in the kind of ways Raptors like those types of the Raptors like those types of players to be productive. Gives them a bit more size and length and all of those kinds of things. The other side of that is you can kind of give him a pass. Uh, on the Milwaukee experience, you know, you, you get drafted onto a team that's, you know, a 60-plus win team. Um, you know, it's just hard to find rotation minutes. You know, when you're on a team that's really got no choice but to win an NBA title or call their season a failure, which is where the Bucks were for the entire time that Wilson was there, um, you know, there's very little room for error. It is hard to develop in that scenario. So, and then, you know, when his it's time to extend him, uh, you know, all of a sudden he's, uh, you know, there, you've got solid cap issues. And, and so you kind of understand how things didn't work out there. He ends up in Houston for a year. And so that's where I get a little, there's got to be, there might be something a little more to this story. I'm sorry. I don't know, but you know, a team like Houston, you would think would be very interested in a player like DJ Wilson. And if not, the rest of the league would be interested in taking a swing at him as a free agent on a, a pretty cheap minimum. So, um, the fact that he's, you know, so, so I can't offer any judgment as to why that happened, but it does kind of raise your eyebrows a little bit. But um, at the same time, you know, he's played, what, about 30 minutes? <laughs> and he's been, you look at his numbers for those 30 minutes, they're pretty darn good. 
And, uh, you know, I think there's no reason why a team like – there's no obvious reason why a team like Toronto wouldn't say, listen, like we, we can throw 500 grand at this guy, which is what the minimum is for the rest of the year if, if it's that, and, um, and find out if, if there's something here. Speaking with Michael Grange, Michael, you mentioned a name there, um, and I wasn't even going to bring him up, but eh, it is what it is. Goran Dragic. Like, he's been gone a while now. We all know the deal. I think the fans all know the deal. But, I, I, listen, I've never been an executive on the NBA side, never will be. I don't know if I'll be an executive on any side of anything ever. But I think one of my stipulations would have been when I'm paying you millions of dollars to go back home and just chill and await a deal. Can you do me a favor? Let's, let's like, even an unwritten clause. Don't post anything on your social media of you working out, playing basketball, when you could be playing basketball in a uniform for our team and helping our team not only potentially win games, but being a vet in the locker room and or helping us right now when we're ravaged by COVID and we're signing emergency 10-day deals and you're back home playing hoops with the family or getting in solid workouts with your trainers and just waiting, counting down the days till you're no longer a Toronto Raptor. It's a bad look, a bad look in my opinion. How does this, or when does this, get resolved? Because I think a lot of us felt maybe December 15th when you know, a lot of deals were now open, guys that were assigned in the offseason could be traded. Do we let this drag out until the trade deadline, or does it even happen this season? I think almost certainly he'll end up being bought out after uh, the trade deadline. Um, you know, the, the, you know, he doesn't have a ton of trade value. Uh, in part because he hasn't played this year, and that's you know a little bit of a, a side issue. Um, but and the Raptors aren't in any rush to move that contract because if you're trying to assemble any kind of deal of any significance, that's the kind of ballast you need to pull a, pull a deal together. Like if you're on the other end of that deal, good. You get you know Dragic's twenty million fits into this slot. You really only have to pay about three or four million of it. Or maybe you can buy him up out after you make the deal. So he's that's why he's still around is is because he could, you know, fulfill a bookkeeping bookkeeping requirement on a prospective trade. Uh, can the Raptors move him straight up and somehow get a second round pick out of it? Or where? it seems kind of unlikely. Um, I think you know the other way to look at what you're talking about is, um, you know, I, I'm, I I would hope he's in Slovenia if that's where he is. And in shape, and staying in shape, and 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 you know, getting ready to that if there is some sort of deal or opportunity or buyout, that you know he can, he you know he can hit the ground running. Like the last thing you want him to do is is be completely useless, and then he does sit on your books. So, um, it's just a weird situation, right? And then you got to keep in mind it is mutual. Uh, you know, for whatever reason. The best explanation I've heard is there just seems to be a perceived lack of enthusiasm on his part, like kind of a distraction and the kind of these suggestions about some issue, some personal issue uh, relating to family, you know, the exact details of which I don't know. And, you know, like it's easy to kind of point your finger at the player, but the team and the coach didn't want to make, take advantage of him while he was here. Right. And so, you know, I think, uh, from the Raptors' point of view, you can keep him around and have him kind of with his tail between his legs. That's no good for anybody. Uh, or you can, you know, keep in mind he's got a really prominent agent in uh, in uh, Bill Duffy, who also represents Scotty Barnes. Or you can kind of do everyone a solid, have him go home. He's happy. 
he's not a problem around here. And then you just kind of get on with your business. So, um, you know, I, I, I get it. Like it, it doesn't look good if he's kind of posting and making a kind of bit of a spectacle of himself on Instagram. I didn't see it, so I can't even comment there, but, but, uh, it's just, it really is just business. And like I said, the team is as engaged in these decisions as the player. Michael, appreciate the time and insight today. Uh, look forward to seeing you down at the gym tomorrow, and all the best for 2022. Okay, guys. Take care. All the best. Thanks, Michael. There's Michael Grange from Sportsnet. We'll step aside, come back with Bobby Marks of ESPN on Smith & Jones on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review the show as well. Joining us on the line right now, we always appreciate his time, uh, NBA front office insider from ESPN, Bobby Marks. Bobby, thanks for the time today. Hey, guys. Happy holidays. How are you? Yeah, all good, Bobby. All good. Um, look, you you sat in on a lot more of these uh, high-level think tank meetings than, than, than Eric and I have or ever will, for crying out loud. But um, I, I, my question is, the NBA going forward, and yeah. they're working around all these postponements. They've got to be rescheduled. There's part of me says they don't want to do that, and you know, put your product on the floor. And if if it happens to be inferior in a way because of COVID or injuries, well, we're sorry. We're still going to charge the price ticket ticket prices we charge, and we're pushing forward. And Eric and I did a game that. The Raptors lost by almost franchise record proportions day after Christmas against Cleveland. And there was yeah. some guy, a Raptor fan, sitting courtside in a Kyle Lowry jersey. And I thought, that poor guy must have targeted that game when the schedule came out in, a, in, in September, uh, bought the tickets to go to Cleveland, Christmas gift for him and his son or whoever, sit in the front row to watch the Raptors against uh, Cleveland. And he sees a 45-point loss and a Raptor team where he has to buy a program to find out who some of these guys are. Yeah. I mean, it's not, there are certain games that are not watchable. Um, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know if it's, you know, uh, you know, ticket or ticket refund, you know, something there, there's gotta be a, there's gotta be some type of workable solution as far as for most of these games. I mean, there's only, I think we, we got saved a little bit on Christmas day because most of the games were, were competitive. I mean, could you imagine if we sat through, you know, a 45 and a 50 point loss and the, the, the NBA got saved because James Harden came back for Brooklyn. I mean, if Harden wasn't there and that thing could have probably got a little bit ugly here. And um, yeah, I mean, you look at that, that Cleveland game um, with Toronto played and, and, um, I think Detroit played in San Antonio that same night and lost by like 50 also. And I, I think there's got to be a little bit of, I know the league is trying to push ahead here with trying to get these games, but there's, there does have to be a little bit of a point where we, you know, you got to raise your hand and say like, you know, like they did with Miami yesterday, you know, Miami's in Miami's in San Antonio and they were basically forcing them to sign players off the, the Spurs G league team to be able to field eight players. And, you know, I understand if you got ten guys available, and that, and that some of them are hardship. But when you've got eight guys, and six of them are hardship, or five, you know, there, there is a point where you do have to suspend that game. And if you're not going to suspend it, then there's got to be something for the paying customer. You know, I saw someone online saying that they wanted a refund for their Direct TV. I mean, maybe that's pushing it a little bit, a little bit there. But if you're a person who, who bought, you know, hey, who bought these tickets 
probably as a Christmas present or as a gift for the holidays. And if they're taking their kids to sit and watch, I know these guys are competing, but to sit the, just to watch this product right now, the product's not good. I mean, it, it really isn't. I mean, um, you know, last night Laker Memphis game was pretty good because most guys were out there, but for the majority is, uh, I mean, we went through a stretch, I think it's 16 out of 19 double digit losses which is really unheard of. And I think the league does have to figure out something because it's going to turn people away um, to purchase tickets in the future. Well, Bobby, just as a quick aside to that, and, and I and I honestly don't even say this with, with any venom because it is what it is. It's, it's sort of the curveball that has been thrown to Toronto specifically. Um, and I honestly didn't intend to turn this just back to the Raptors, but with the 50% capacity restrictions in the province of Ontario, which is impacting the, the Raptors, Raptor season seat holders were basically um, given certain games. There was no choice. You were told by your season seat holder rep or by the ticketing department, all right, uh, Jonesy, you've got this game, and Bobby, you've got that game, and Bobby, you've got this game, and Jonesy, you've got that game. And there was no choice. Do you even want the game? Like, would you like a refund or a credit to your account? It was, no, you still have tickets. You signed up for season seats. But now you might not have the Golden State game, You've got the Knicks game. But because you missed Golden State, we'll give you Kyle Lowry's return in February. But you know what? You're going to miss the Laker game in two weeks. So you're just being randomly, arbitrarily handed tickets. And I know that's frustrated a lot of people here. So there's that added layer for Raptor fans where they're not just upset with who they're going to see when they actually have tickets. It's, well, do I even want tickets? And then even if I want tickets, can I get tickets to the game I actually want to go to? So it's, it's a mess right now in a lot of markets, but especially here in Toronto, too. Yeah, and I just think, I think every, you know, I think the league, I think certainly teams, I think teams were caught off guard here by this. I just think everyone thought it was going to be business as usual. Once everyone got vaccinated or booster shots and, you know, we were going to go back to full capacity and, you know, and I I wrote about it in during earlier in the week with some of these roster rules that, you know, know, once the Rosen tested positive in Chicago and we saw the Bulls kind of really hit hard, you know, we didn't see anything for basically two weeks until there was 80 guys in health and safety protocols as far as from a roster standpoint. And I think from a, from a, you know, there, there had to have been a plan in place with a doomsday type scenario that we were basically going to have to revert back to, um, you know, a year ago and have reduced capacity in some markets here, certainly in, in Toronto. And I just think kind of everybody was a little bit of a, asleep at the wheel. And now we're basically trying to play catch up and, you know, do some damage control. Wow. Well, uh, Bobby, the, the, the good thing is for some of these guys uh, that have been signed to 10-day deals, they get a chance to showcase their skills. And we got a guy in Toronto that has really piqued people's interest in, in D.J. Wilson. I mean, he was a top 20 pick. Um, and as a front office guy, lend us some insight into why a guy who, um, you know, like that car looks like a good car. The engine looks good. The tires are good. It runs well. Why is nobody buying it? What what you know what what happens with these back end of the roster guys at like 10, 11, 12, 13 and how they get turned over from one year to the next yeah. and a guy like DJ Wilson could be out of a job. Which and it's crazy too because I was in um Las Vegas a week ago and he played for the Thunder's G League team and I watched him and he didn't really stand out. <laughs> I mean, he was okay, wow. you know, there wasn't anything crazy. I just think that shows you how hard it is to scout and sometimes it's about opportunity, right? Maybe he's playing with a point guard on that G League team that, you know, doesn't, you know, find him enough or maybe he doesn't kind of know what his role is where you kind of, you get to a, 
an organization, and I know skeleton crew in, in Toronto, but you've got probably better coaching with Nick and that group, and and he's free to play. You know, there's no pressure. You know, the only pressure is that he's you know he's looking for that that next opportunity, but there's no expectation there. And I I said it about Greg Monroe too, and, and I know Greg's been around a lot longer than than DJ has, and you know, I saw Greg in, uh, last week. Greg was terrible. <laughs> I said Greg shouldn't even be on a G League floor, and he goes out and gets like nine seven no win, and I'm thinking like where did this come from? And I just think it's it's all as you said, it's just all about opportunity. I, I kind of similar for me, like Damari Carroll. I mean, we saw Damari get, um, I think he was in Utah, and I think he was in, um, might have been in Memphis, and, you know, he basically took him like six or seven years to kind of figure it out before he got to um, Atlanta, and um, sometimes it's just kind of realizing what your role is going to be, and, um, you know, we've got over 100 players that have signed hardship exceptions. What's happened is it's, it's going to make players on QA contracts and, um, you know, guys who are on um, non-guaranteed contracts and some of those back-ended guys kind of more, a little more vulnerable here. Like we went, we wouldn't have had in the in, in the past as far as these guys are playing well, and, and now you've got to try to find a. Um, oh, we might have just lost Bobby. Ouch. I think we did, Jonesy. Ouch. We'll get him back I, into the mix. I I heard yeah. I heard the little the hurt I heard the little blip. Maybe the connection, the internet connection, or something dropped. So we'll uh, we'll venture to get Bobby back on the line here uh, in a couple of seconds. But but I, I think he raises a great point uh, when you think about, and it's probably something that that a lot of us deal with in in everyday life, whatever your job may be, whatever business you do, uh, where you see that new person come in, and you start looking over your shoulder a little bit, going, hold on a second, either they're really good or they're younger, or they're more experienced, or they make less money, whatever the factor may be, and you're going, oh boy, do I need to be worried about my own job here? Is somebody coming for me? When do they start? Do I, I, better, I better pick up my game a little bit here. I better you know, pick up my production. I better work that much harder because I don't want to be the one who gets pushed out because of the new man or the new woman that comes in and, and, and is suddenly kind of... Uh, you know, chomping at the bit to, to maybe knock out some folks or, 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 or has the bosses kind of looking sideways at a couple other people. And I think that could very well happen in the NBA where you've got guys that are, especially depth guys back into the roster, where you could be replaceable, you could be interchangeable, or it's not even that we don't like you or that you're not working hard, but you know what? We found somebody that's uh, doing the job better than you or doing a different job that we didn't think we needed, but clearly we do. So you're out and he's in. Yeah, uh, and that's... Uh... And again, I, I, you know, Bobby was just touching on that. I, I want to know what the front office thinks, um, you know, with at the end of the year. Like, okay, we got these guys that are 11, 12, 13. Do we see potential or do we bring them back? Is that the way they think or not? I mean, that's, you know, that, that's key for, you know, a guy like DJ Wilson. Look at the Raptors uh, group even now, some of the guys at, at, the, at the back end. Uh, you know, I'm sure they're you know they're playing for their lives this year but they're also thinking about hey what what happens next year they always say it's one thing to get drafted or to make it into the league it's a whole nother thing to actually have a career where you can last for you know uh five six seasons and and i think the the minimum like the require the the minimum kind of time in the league for anybody that like if you're going to get a pension or something they need three or four years in the league and um it's tough the average career length for an nba player is only you know sometimes three to four years so you get in 
and you're tr you're just you're just trying to hang on. So for me, I I love to know what executives are thinking at the end of each year with those guys that are on the you know the on the cusp of turnover, and and how they get to those guys or what they do with those guys going forward, how they evaluate them, mm -hmm. and decide to get rid of them and bring new guys in. Uh, Bobby Marks from ESPN rejoining us. And, Bobby, I'll, I'll kind of piggyback on what Jonesy was just saying there and let me lead into my other question. I wanted to ask you about some of these emergency signings. The the biggest name, quote-unquote, arguably, uh, certainly with the best resume, I guess we could argue, is probably Isaiah Thomas. Now, I know he battled through uh, injury and surgery, especially when we talk about the hip, but... I've been trying to make sense for a couple of seasons as to why a guy like that, uh, you know, caliber of player that he is, and I know smaller player, but hey, he had a lot of success. Why has he not been in the league, and why is he a guy now that is bouncing around to this point, just trying to hang on and trying to find a home? Yeah, no, it's a good point. I mean, it's like, why did he not stick in L.A., right? I mean, he had an opportunity to stick with the Lakers. He was on that hardship. Now he's in uh, Dallas. He plays, um, you know, last night in, in, in Sacramento, and ever since um, – you know, ever since Boston or actually ever since Cleveland, it's just he's not been able to find a, a home. And if um, these guys have the prime opportunity right now to, to find that next contract and for Isaiah to try to extend his, his career. And as I always say, it's just it's just it's always about opportunity. You know, we're not this is not the NFL where you have a 55 man roster. You know, it's, it's 15 players. He's not eligible for a two way like some of these other players here. And I think it as I mentioned um, I don't know if I got that. My point is, it'd be interesting if we do see some type of roster expansion, and players like that are, you know, available down the road, maybe next year to sign. Bobby, what? Give me uh, your best uh, guess at what might be happening with the ever-evolving Kyrie Irving situation. Now that you know <laughs> he's he's back, and boom, he's in protocols, and and yeah. and and what do you think that's going to be like going forward? And they'll have some time it looks like to build some chemistry and and now they become you know a formidable team if if he's in the mix full time yeah yeah and it's interesting and I, i've seen a lot of people be, be critical and i i said it yesterday it's like you know hey the job of the front office is to win games <laughs> you know that's the end of the end of the day here and it's i it would be and i i agree with brooklyn what brooklyn did i thought it would maybe have been maybe in march and april um i understood at the time they had lost so many guys I, it would be interesting if you asked sean marks their their gm now like hey you've got a healthy you've got a, you've got a rest at durant you've got everyone back would you have still taken that same approach with Kyrie as far as getting him back because especially at harden played you know harden in la was you know those two games was was tremendous and um you know, that was kind of a concern as far as if we ever going to see the James Harden. And it's going to be a work in progress with Kyrie. You know, he can practice in Brooklyn. He can't play in home games. Um, the Nets have seven of the next nine at home. Um, they've got a – I don't think I don't think we see him on Jan 5 in Indiana. I don't think – probably not even in Chicago later that week. Um, probably the 17th to 23rd is going to be his, the next um, – I guess the next big uh, the trip for uh, Brooklyn, and we'll probably see Kyrie there. And it, it's it's going to be fascinating how they integrate him. P Patty Mills has been tremendous. Uh, I mean, he's been really, really good. But at the end of the day, you know, they did have a, you know a struggle as far as guys getting a guy to the to the rim. The million dollar question though is what happens when we get to mid April? That's going to be the million dollar question as far as when we get to playoffs. Is if this if Maybe there are restrictions that are lifted. Maybe there's a new vaccine that he's willing to do. That we don't know. Um, but I guess in the world we're in right now, it's kind of in a day-to-day -day world. But he's back. He's practicing. And uh, we'll see, I guess, probably in a couple of weeks as far as how he fits on in, in, in a real live NBA game.
Speaking with Bobby Marks from ESPN, a uh, couple of minutes left here with you, Bobby, and I, I want to circle back maybe to where we started or a lot of what we've been talking about, including Kyrie, and just trying to play these games and navigate our way through things and whatnot. Um, a lot of games have been postponed. A lot of games need to be made up. I'm sure there will be more, unfortunately, postponements coming in the next few weeks or the next couple of months. Um, I've got to assume it's too late in the game, Bobby, to uh, cancel the NBA All-Star game and make up games during that week. <laughs> Players want the time off, too, and they would never agree to that, I'm sure. So when do you jam in these games? Are we talking about teams potentially having to play way more back-to-backs? Could they be playing back-to-back-to-backs? Or are we looking at maybe the league saying, no, we're going to throw it on the back end of the uh, of the schedule? And, and you know, if it means we got to play until May 1st before we start the postseason, like how do you think the league tries to navigate this and 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 and, and you know, reschedule all of these missed games. I think we're going to see a lot of three and three nights. I think that's what mm. we're probably going to wow. see. Um, you know, I mean, it, this was five or six years ago. We A game against Portland when I was in Brooklyn got um, postponed, and they basically had the Trailblazers fly back on a, on a, on a solo Monday to play one game in, in Brooklyn. That was towards the end of the year, and I think – you're going to see stuff like that. I think that's probably why they tried to get that San Antonio-Miami game in. Um, you're going to have to have Denver come back to play uh, Brooklyn. And then that's going to be my question as far as maybe we just leave the rosters expanded here because it helps from a certainly from a um, on-court as far as, you know, from a rest standpoint. And, you know, we'll probably be looking at games if that's the case, you know, third game and third three nights where you're, you're going to have 10 or 11 guys playing. Knock on wood if, you know, if this variant kind of – kind of goes away a little bit but um but yeah that's that's the the hard part and it it was easier last year because remember we only did the season in halves right we did the first half and then we kind of left it open where we basically now we're back to normal where we have a full 82 and now you got to figure out where to fit those games in bobby we appreciate the time and insight as always uh all the best for the new year and we'll look forward to speaking to you in 2022 thanks bobby guys appreciate it yep you're welcome thanks there is Bobby Marks from ESPN. Always appreciate his time. And uh, it is going to be interesting, Jonesy, to see how they navigate this. And as Bobby just said, if it ends up being back to back to back, man, oh, man, it's uh, it's a lot. But, hey, this is the world we're living in, I suppose. And if they're they're trying to keep that calendar set with, with All-Star and getting guys a break, uh, those that don't make the game, but then also trying to get you know, your, your, your postseason start on time. Because here's the other thing, too, I guess, when you look ahead to the offseason, the NBA is trying to re- rejig or, or or restart its regular calendar, right? They haven't been regular for two years now. So I think they'd like to end by mid-June, by Father's Day, so that they can give their players all of July, all of August, most of September off before starting again, as opposed to pushing it late into the summertime again. Uh, and then that makes it that much closer to training camp. And then the guys are getting to get proper rest. And then guys like you and I and fans and everybody else saying, oh, is that why injuries are up? Because guys aren't getting proper rehab and rest time, et cetera, et cetera. So they're trying to get that schedule back on track, which they haven't been able to do basically since 2019. Yeah, and that's, that's – uh... <laughs> It's been a few years. This thing has really had an impact, the, the trickle-down effect. And, um, you know, there were the Olympics last year and, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, you know, Summer League was in August. Like, it's just the whole calendar is just thrown out of whack. And, you know, that's probably the other part of the these, this, uh, you know, the, the going, working through the postponements. Try to keep things as normal as possible. Try to get back to somewhere where you there was some consistency and there was some routine because that's what a lot of people thrive on. So I, I, you know, I know the NBA is doing their best to try and keep that in place. 
Folks, again, make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. Thanks to Michael Grange and Bobby Marks for joining us.